And welcome back to the One Truth Podcast. Today's episode, we want to talk about comfort, about some of the things that we encounter in our lives, and um, how how God's Word can comfort us through those moments that we have. And uh, there's a lot of scripture that talks about this, so I want to really go into some of the different um, emotions that we go through and uh, some of the ways that we try to solve those problems with uh, worldly solutions and what kind of solutions should we look to uh, God for. You know, maybe we feel like whatever it is we're going through is the only thing, we're the only person going through it, or maybe it's, uh, you know, we feel like we see other people around that have, you know, boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, wives, whatever, someone that quote unquote love them and we don't feel like we're loved or, you know, we go through a state of depression uh, for many different reasons. Or there could be times where we just we're kind of going through life, you know, um, to, to use the all the different, you know, analogies. Uh, we're, we're going through life rudderless. We have no direction. We're just kind of living day to day and we don't feel like we have a purpose. All those things are really their weaknesses in our faith. Um, if, if you're a Christian, this is a weakness in our faith. And it's good to recognize that that's a weakness in our faith because when you recognize that, then you can do something about it. Um, if we want to lie to ourselves or if somebody, if, if people don't want to tell you, if your preacher or your friends and family around you don't want to tell you that, Hey, right now what you're going through, I, I can understand, you know, you're depressed or this or that, but that's a weakness of your faith. That's not to say you're bad. That's a weakness of faith, you know, to reprimand you. It's, it's so that you identify it because now you can do something about it. Right. And, and every single one of us have a weakness of faith many, many times over and over. I don't care who it is you're talking to. If they're a Christian and they say that they've never had a weakness in their faith, then, uh, you know, that's a lie. I mean, I just got done reading where Paul, where uh, Peter um, had a weakness of faith. And, you know, the difference between, say, a Peter and a Judas is Peter uh, denied Christ. Peter done, you know, did a, didn't, didn't do a good thing. You know, he denied Christ. It was a sin. Um, he recognized it, and then he did something about it. And even Judas, who sold Jesus into into custody, essentially sold him out. Even Judas could have repented and done something about the horrible actions that he had taken. That was the whole point for Christ to go to the cross, is so that everyone that had sinned had had the ability to be redeemed and and Judas uh, took away that opportunity to be redeemed when he decided to hang himself um, but you know Peter recognized his downfall and and then and did something about it and went on to do the work of Christ to, to help to spread the church to feed his church you know like like Jesus directed him to him uh, several times you know whatever regardless of what we're going through, what I see over and over again, and I've been a part of this. Okay. So I don't, you know, as you listen to this podcast, hopefully you've figured it out by now. If you've listened to any episodes, I'm definitely not perfect. You know, when I, when I talk about some different tools to cope with these things, it doesn't mean that it's going to be perfect. Um, but it's things that I've found in the past that help, you know, I find it peculiar that people will try diets. They'll try different things 
And a lot of times they'll try things that have been found to not really do a whole lot and they'll give it tons of time. But yet when it comes to um, our Christian faith, a lot of times people just don't give it that same benefit. But, you know, all the things that we go through in life, people will turn to different um, coping mechanisms. You know, you'll turn to alcohol, you'll turn uh, to throwing yourself into your job, uh, you'll turn to throwing yourself into a person, to a relationship, um, you name it. Uh, they'll, they'll thrill seek, you know, they'll turn to drugs, uh, all these things. If you think of, um, you know, a, a thrill seeker, you know, somebody who is constantly looking for that adrenaline rush and the adrenaline rush is to cover up something, right? Maybe they're really lonely or depressed. And the way that they overcome that is with the adrenaline rush that they get, you know, jumping out of an airplane or bungee cord jumping or, you know, driving a car really fast or all these different ways that people thrill seek and they get that adrenaline rush. A lot of times they're trying to fill a void that they've got in their life. And the problem with using those things is the, the, the thing that you did to feel that, um, adrenaline rush now has to be more intense the next time. Right. So, you know, the first time, uh, you decided to, you know, jump off a cliff into the, into the, you know, lake or whatever with your buddies, right. You get up there, you jump off, you know, the 10 foot ledge or whatever it is, you know, you have all this fear and anxiety and then you finally do it and you feel that adrenaline rush and wow, that was great. And you do it over and over again. And each time you do it, you have less and less of that adrenaline because you have less and less fear of what happened because you've already done it. Right. So now you got to go uh, something, you got to do something higher, right? Uh, or if it's drugs, um, you know, I, I've only tried pot, you know, in my life and, uh, and it really didn't do anything for me. So I never was a pothead. Um, but I can tell you that, you know, each, each time that you drink, you know, you build up a tolerance to stuff like that. I, I, I know that just from reading that that's the way drugs are. Um, that you're always chasing that first high, right? You're always chasing that first time it felt that way. In the case of alcohol, you know, you drink uh, to feel this euphoria and, and you feel horrible the next day. Not only that, but then you wake up and you look into your wallet and you find out that you've blown a lot of money that you didn't have um, or that, that you didn't plan on blowing, right? And then, and then you can't pay your bills. Um, relationships, you know, you throw yourself into a relationship with an individual um, and you try to use that to uh, cope with whatever it is, whatever deficiency you have in your life. And if that person uh, decides it's not for them, then um, you now you're left empty. Uh, and that's not very helpful either. So um, when you're trying to find all the different uh, coping mechanisms in life, the problem you're going to find is that they just don't fill out void. And um, the great thing about being a Christian is, you know, Christ can fill that void. Uh, God can fill that void. And um, the way he fills that void is we have a hope of a final destination that we don't have to go through anything that we go through in life, right? Like we don't have to worry about where we're going to get our next meal. We don't have to worry about being too hot, too cold. We don't have to worry about being upset. You know, there's no tears. It's, it's joy. It's you know, being in the presence of God for all eternity, right? 
Well, when do we get that? Well, we get that at the end of our life, right? So we have something to strive for. Um, kind of like when you know you're going to school and and you go, "Wow, I can't wait until I graduate high school." And you're in second grade or third grade, you have something you're building up to. That anticipation you have leads up to that graduation moment and then once it's there, then that's it. Well, you know, we don't we you're not going to be you're not going to reach that pinnacle until your life is over, right? So, so God is always going to be sufficient enough to, for you because you won't be able to find that final fulfillment of the hope that you have until your life ends or until Jesus comes back. So you don't have to chase that first high. Um, the other part of it, too, is, is you know, if you think of, um, I don't know, let's say you're an expert in... Um, What's a good example? Maybe you're a historian of Ford and uh, you, you really love Ford cars. So you start to study and learn about Henry Ford and you learn about all the innovations he made and you learn about his son and you learn about his grandson and you learn about the company and you go on and on and on and you learn all these things about the company. And eventually you get to the point where now you are the foremost expert in Ford. Now what? That's it, right? There's nothing else for you to learn. You've reached the pinnacle, right? And and in many fields, many scientific fields, that's exactly what's going to happen. You reach the pinnacle and that's it. Now you're the expert and people have to turn to you, right? Well, the great thing about the Bible is you continue to learn. I don't care who it is. There's not a man on this planet. There's not a woman on this planet that knows every little detail about the Bible that that doesn't have to learn anymore, that can't learn anymore about the Bible. There's not a soul out there. Because the more you learn, so when you're saved, you receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is, I, I equate it to like an interpreter. And if you think of when we were little kids and we're first learning to read, uh, we start off and we can read the whole C-spot run or whatever. And as we become more advanced, we can read, you know, I don't know, great works of literature, right? Um, you have to work your way up to that. Well, think of the English teacher that's teaching us as we're reading. Think of that as the Holy Spirit that's in us. And when we first start off as a Christian, we can understand the basics. We can understand what this scripture says, and you know maybe we understand exactly what it says on its face. But then as we start to learn and grow in knowledge and strength in the Word, then we start to understand what the analogies are that, um, or the parables that Jesus is giving, what their true meaning are. Or we start to see that, you know, I'll use, I, I use this example all the time because I really like this, um, this parable and it's the parable of the talents. Uh, when the master's leaving and he gives one of the servants one talent, he gives another servant two talents and he gives another servant five talents. And when he comes back from his trip, the servant that had five talents had doubled them. So now there were 10 talents. The servant that had two talents had doubled them. So now he had four talents. And the servant that had one had just buried his talent. He was afraid he was going to lose it. Um, to, in this case, 
talents in that period of time was a, a, a type of money. It was like pennies, right? Or, or I don't know how much it was worth, but you know, it was, it was a dot, it was the denomination. It was a, a dollar amount. <clears throat> and the master was happy with the two servants who had doubled their money. And he wasn't pleased with the one who had buried it. And I always look at that um, parable as it's God's way of telling us that he's not going to be happy with us if we don't take the word, the talent, the knowledge of um, salvation of Christ, and we don't go out and try to replicate it. Because if you think about it, the, the master was just as happy with the, ta- with the one who had taken five talents and now it was ten as he was with the one who took two talents and made it into four. The, the denomination wasn't important. It wasn't important that, he, that one had four and the other one now had ten. What was important is they went out and did something with it. And the one who didn't do anything with it is the one that he wasn't pleased with. And... <clears throat> I attribute my um, thinking of that from learning more about the scripture and learning more about God's word. And to me, that's the reason why I know what I know about it. It, Not because, you know, somebody had told me that, but because the indwelling of the Holy Spirit has helped me start to grow more in knowledge and strength. And as you study the Bible more, you start to say, oh, well, you know, that scripture back here is referring to this, and that ties into this scripture over here in this verse. And you start to see the um, the different connections in the Bible that you start to really understand that there's no way on earth that the Bible is not um, straight from God. Because it is so detailed and so intertwined that you couldn't get that many writers to be that accurate and that connected in that period of time. It's just impossible. It wouldn't happen. Um, and, and that's why it's so important to grow in that strength and knowledge. And, you know, I started this long conversation about um, uh, how we can fill those voids with God rather than with, you know, adrenaline seeking or drugs or alcohol or even our relationships. Um, because, you know, I say all the time, well, first of all, you need to be a Christian. If you're not a Christian, then this is not going to help you because you can read any book and it's going to do the same thing for you. Um, but once you're a Christian, it doesn't mean you're impervious to having depression or loneliness or fear or whatever the emotions are. Um, but the, the thing that you have now as a Christian is, um, one, you have the fellowship, you know, that's why we're not to forsake the assembly of ourselves. That's why, you know, we have other Christians in our church that we can talk to about it because, you know, we've all experienced the same thing. Um, but we also have the word of God and, you know, whether or not you understand it is, is not as relevant as us trying to study it. So, you know, one thing that I'll do if I'm if I'm having something, if something's going on in my life is I will um, I'll just open the Bible anywhere. You know, I'll open my app and I'll just scroll through and I'll just click on um, any chapter and um, and I'll just start reading. And what I do is when I start reading and I just keep going, 
the Bible's written in such a way that there's and and being that the King James is not necessarily in language that we use today to some degree. I mean, I don't know anybody that says verily anymore, but um because it's written in such a way, it, it forces me to have to read the same verse a couple times to kind of understand exactly what it is that it said. Um, and, you know, of course, part of that's because of my dyslexia. But the cool thing about that is it forces you to start to concentrate on what it is that you're reading, not just like going through and reading the instruction manual or, you know, I used to have this bad habit when I was in the bathroom, I would want to read something. So I didn't have my, have a cell phone at that time. So I would just read like the labels on shampoo bottles or whatever, or anything. I would just, I would want to read something while I was in there. So, you know, in doing that, you know, you're not really picking anything up, but if you've got to focus on what you're reading, you start to pick things up. And if you give yourself time if you don't just pick it up and read two verses and go, yeah, I didn't really get anything of that. No, you have to start reading. And as you start reading and you start going, okay, who's writing this? Okay, what are they talking about? Okay, how does this tie to this? And you start to to really focus on it. It starts to have every whatever emotion you're having starts to melt away. And, and it helps you give you the space that you need from whatever that event was that puts you in that emotional state so that you can start to evaluate what it is that was going on and how you should react to that from a Christian standpoint. So, you know, let's say that you're, you know, your girlfriend or boyfriend or whoever, um, you have a big argument, or maybe it's your husband or your wife, you have a big argument and, you know, maybe they told you they wanted to leave, they want to divorce, they want to break up or whatever, or maybe you told them or something happened and, you know, now you're away from it and you're feeling really down and depressed or anxious or angry or whatever. You open your Bible, you open your Bible app or whatever, and you just pick a scripture and you just start reading it and you start reading and you go, okay, now what is this? And you give yourself some time and you read and you read and you read. And if you have to read the whole chapter, if you have to read a paragraph, if you have to read several chapters, as long as you're focusing on the scripture and trying to understand what it is that you just pulled up and you're reading, it helps to give you that space to disconnect from the instant or the incident that just puts you in that emotional state. It also helps you to redirect and you're going to pick something up. And what I've found many times is when I just pick any old scripture, I start reading and there's always something that ties exactly to what the, what the situation was that I was just going on with. It's, it's amazing. And, and it's, it's nothing short of the power of God. Um, and, and you start reading that and then you start to understand what it is that you're reading. And then when you finish, you wrap up and then you go, okay, what was it that, uh, happened that got me to this emotional state? And now you're equipped to evaluate it and to come up with what you need to do. And 99% of the time, the first thing you need to do is to pray about the situation and to ask for some guidance and to pray that one God's will would be done in the situation, but then you know what you need to pray for. You know, let's say you just had a fight with your spouse and you know that God, you know, wants marriage to be an institution that's eternal, right? Or, you know, while we're here on earth, you know, God doesn't want, even though there was divorce in the old Testament, that's not the way God's plan works, right? 
And, you know, there's going to be times where you have to be divorced. You have to be separated or whatever. But let's say you just had a fight and, you know, your first reaction is, well, it's over. This is done. Blah, 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 blah. But by the time you get done reading and everything else, you, you know that that's not the way God wants it. Um, and, you know, you pray for the right thing. You, you know, you pray, you know, hey, I hope so-and-so gets help with this, you know, or, you know, God help me with this feeling uh, or situation or help me to, to change to be more like what I need to be to be a husband or a wife or a father or mother or whatever, you know, you'll have the, the wherewithal to know what to pray for in that situation. But, um, but that, but that's, that comes with experience that if you're a new Christian, it's, it's hard, it, you know, but that's where, you know, um, that's the reason why we go through the trials that we go through is because it strengthens our faith and, you know, what you couldn't tolerate at the beginning, now you can tolerate twice as much the further on you go. Um, but it takes time, you know, it's, it's like, uh, you know, you can't go to the gym one time and all of a sudden look like Lou Ferrigno, you know, it just, it, it doesn't happen. Um, you have to give it time. And, and that's the way, um, being a Christian is you have to give it time. You have to let God's perfect work work in you. Um, and it's not instant. Uh, and it, it you know, God's long suffering. We have to be long suffering, right? Um, and it's, it's for God's glory that we, that we do all these things. But, you know, I want to, I want to wrap up with one thing here. And, um, the thing that I want to wrap up with is, uh, you know, Paul's example to us, and it, it may seem minuscule, but, um, it's a good example for us to understand, you know, there's a situation where Paul has something going on inside of him. Um, you know, he describes it as a thorn of the flesh. Who knows? It could be some sickness. I don't know what it is, but the way he describes it is it's a thorn of the flesh that was put there, um, a messenger of Satan, he says, to buffet me, to keep me from put, thinking myself higher than what I should be. In this case, because it's a thorn of the flesh, uh, well, let me read the scripture. It's Second Corinthians 12, in verse 7, it says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So, you know, what I've heard is, you know, it could be something that um, caused him to have um, a physical ailment that somebody wouldn't look at him and go, wow, this guy's great looking. He has these, um, you know, these great revelations that he's always speaking of. We should all bow down to Paul. Um and it says in verse 8, uh, for this thing, I besought the Lord thrice. So he prayed to God three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient, sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And, 
you know, I like that last part of it because it totally makes sense as a Christian. And it's always hard when we're young Christians to see this. But it says at the very last part here, uh, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. In, in our weakness, in our emotional weakness, in our physical weakness, in whatever it is that we may be going through, the strength of God is, um, is amplified. You know, you think about this when you're a little kid and something happens to you and your dad comes and scoops you up from whatever it is that just happened and you're weak in that moment. But, you know, no matter how uh, diminutive, maybe some people had fathers that were small at some point in time as us as children, our fathers were giants, you know, and maybe as you get older, you become as big as your father is. But um, but when we were little kids, you know, if something happened, maybe you fell off your bike or whatever was going on and your dad scoops you up. You're weak at that time, but then that's when the strength of your dad shows through, right? And that's the way it is for us. When we're weak in our emotion, when we're weak in whatever it is that's going on, that's when the strength of God prevails over everything. That's when we can recognize that. And if you think about the way we are as humans, that's the way it has to be. Because if it's not that way, then we default to thinking that it's us, and it's never us, it's always God. And when we're made weak, when we're humiliated, and we turn to God, then we can recognize that God's completely in control. It's always in our humiliation or in our weakness that it forces us to understand that we're nothing, that He's everything, and that He's truly the one in control. Well, I hope this has been helpful. Uh, <clears throat> I find that anytime we read the scripture, uh, we'll find it helpful if we uh, have fertile ground, if we have uh, an open heart to what the scripture says and we truly are seeking God's wisdom and guidance. So uh, thank you once again. If you are not a Christian, just as I've said many times in this podcast, you know, all the things that we've talked about with depression, with loneliness, with all the all the uh, emotions that we go through, if we're not a Christian, it, it God's not going to be there for our comfort. Uh, and um, if you haven't made that decision, uh, please don't listen to somebody that tells you to say a prayer or to ask Jesus into your heart because, you know, there's no such thing. It's It doesn't exist in the, in the scripture. Um, we must, uh, just as Jesus said, repent or perish. Uh, Jesus also said um, in Mark 16, 16, he who believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He who believeth not shall be damned. And um, we know also that the scripture tells us that um, if we don't adhere to the word, that we can fall away, that, you know, no man or nothing can remove us from the love of God, uh, but we can remove ourselves from the love of God. So I just want to make sure that we all understand what the scripture says, not what I say or some man says, because what God's word says is the most important.